0: Welcome to Faith Center Foursquare Church's Message of the Week. For more information on the church or ministry, head on over to our website, eurekafaithcenter.org, or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Now, we hope you enjoy this message. Starting a brand new series today uh, called Just Like Jesus. That's what it's all about, Just Like Jesus. And so the whole idea with this is, as you say, uh, you know, uh, I give my life to Christ, I'm a Christian, or whatever that is, basically then what that looks like is what scripture says is Christ-like, right? We begin this process of what the Bible calls sanctification, all right? And that's a growing process that we have uh, growing in the Lord, in his word, in our faith, and that all comes through this relationship with Jesus Christ. And so in everything that we do, we're going to be Christ-like, which means we're going to be just like Jesus, and so through this series, we're going to tackle it over the next few weeks of what does that look like for you and me? What does that look like? If we say we're, we're a Christ follower, then what does that look like in our personal lives to be just like Jesus to the people that are all around us? So it's going to be fun. I can't wait to dive into this and, and do it with you guys. And so today, where we're going to start with this is we're going to talk about God's unconditional love for all mankind. And that word unconditional is where I want us to grab a hold of and and see that because what's going to happen with this is you're going to see how it's a recurring theme over and over through my talk today of a base that we're going to keep coming back to because the key word is unconditional and we'll see how that applies. And each of us, by the way, in each of our lives, we all come to these points of decision that will reveal what we put it, our trust in or what we put our hope in. We'll see that happen over and over again. And, and from that, we see the negative consequences of the temptation to rely on self-accumulated resources and um, our efforts or you know, as, a, as a source for self-worth or security. We, we live in a world, in a society that fuels the fires of pride and fear. We see it. And it happens through all kinds of stuff, through fads, through fashions, through the pressure to kind of keep up with the Joneses for us to be able to do something like that. And we're constantly being lured into believing that we can find this self-meaning, this self-purpose through stuff and wealth or other human relationships, or even more so in today's culture, attempting to find meaning in labeling just our own identity. And so we go through that searching and searching and standing in absolute contrast to these temporary, always at risk, never secure places or spaces, Or people who put their trust in unconditional love of the promises of God. Standing in just absolute contrast to a culture that is claiming all the time to each of us, you are enough. In you alone, you, you are enough. Yet discovering over and over again as they try to figure that out on their own that they come up empty. And they said, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And I'm here to tell you today, folks, I'm going to share with you that there is more. There is a whole lot more. And I can't wait to dive into this with you guys. Because what I can tell you is it's not found in oneself. You can't dig deeper and find it. It is in God's unfailing, unconditional love. Check this out. For all mankind. So here's what he says. Romans chapter eight. I put this up on the screen for you guys as well. He says, Paul's like, for I am convinced. Don't you love that though? He's convinced. Like he is so absolutely secure in what this is all about. I am convinced. Are you ever, do you ever feel like that convinced about something? Like you just know, like this is, Like when you're driving up 299, trying to get to Reading, you are convinced that the other driver is going to be fine, right? (laughs) Maybe. we put our hope in it and pray to God to help us. He says he's convinced. What is he convinced of? Check this out. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to what? separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What does that sound like to you? That sounds like God loves you a lot. And he's not going to let anything stand in the way of his love for you. And here's what Jesus wants you and I to know and to understand. He says, come to me, all of you, Who are weary and burdened? Can I? Can I just? I'm going to do a lot of honesty and vulnerability with you guys today. Um, We found out this morning. I got a text from my mom that says, "I'm headed to the ICU, like uh, brain bleed and heart issues." I I talked to my stepfather and and uh, and I've, I've just had so many things happening. Um. Just, it just feels like it, right? It's, just, it's this constant one after another after another. And I feel it. I feel weary. Uh, I, feel, I feel burdened. And, and I bet you do too. I bet that there's things that are happening in your world, in your life, that you feel it. You feel burdened. And you're, you're like, you're carrying it. And Jesus says, if you'll just come to me. Said, but we don't. So many times, we start trying to figure it out on our own. He says, come to me, all you who are, and I will, I will give you what? Rest. I was up at 4.30 this morning for two reasons. One, I knew what I was going to talk to you about today. And, and just, I think, the Lord preparing me for some of the stuff that's happening with my mother. Amen. And just diving into prayer with him deep deep prayer this morning. I will give you rest. Take, take my yoke. uh, I take my yoke upon you. He wants us to give us his and learn from me. Check this out. Do you know what this means? Learn from me. That means you got to hang out with him. All right. If you're going to learn, if you're going to learn something from somebody, if I'm going to pick something up from you, I got to hang out with you and I got to listen to you and I got to do it. We might have to do it together a few times before I can pick it up, right? right. It's not as easy as watching a YouTube video on 1.5 speed. <laughs> All right? Like he says, learn from me. That means I have to spend time with him. He says, because he's gentle and he's humble of heart. And, you, and when I do that, I will find rest for my soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the effects, the effects of God's personal, unchanging, unrestrained love for you is enormous. We just read that in Romans. It's so big. It's so enormous that so sometimes we, we think it's easier to just not even try to consider it or try to comprehend just how big it is, and we just kind of leave it out there. It's just like it just becomes a saying that we say that we don't really dive into what we're talking about there. And the problem with that is, is if we dive in and we don't dig in deeper, we end up leaving this dearly purchased gift unopened. and the joy of the giver unrealized. Because we don't dive into how great his love is. To put our trust in his love not only affects our lives directly, but it affects, it's like, integrated into every single relationship that you have and all that we do. It is so powerful and big. And I want to be just like Jesus. So how do I do that? I put some notes in there. I want you to write these down. To be, to be like Jesus, then we must love Jesus. Like, that's the start. If I'm going to be like Jesus, then I have to love Jesus. And I'm going to read passage from John 21. I'm going to read John 21, beginning in verse 15. And this is awesome because this is uh, after Jesus has... Uh, been raised from from the tomb, and uh, Peter's out in a boat fishing, and Jesus is, is chilling on the coastline making breakfast. Like, that'd be awesome, right? <laughs> like, if you were just, like, doing your work, and Jesus was hanging out making you whatever, lunch or dinner at your house, just waiting for you to get there. And so, let's pick up in verse 15. It says, uh, when they had finished eating... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, then take care of my sheep. And then the the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Uh, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, feed my lambs. You see, everything, everything that we attempt in our lives hangs in the balance. Please hear me, folks. Folks everything that we attempt in our lives hangs in the balance of our response to this question that Jesus asked Peter. Do you love me? Everything. And our answer should not be taken lightly because Jesus is taking it seriously. How do you know? Well, how many parents are in here? You taking something seriously when you're repeating to your kids after? (laughs) You know what I said. You know what I said. You know what I said, right? Like Jesus is repeating it, bam, bam, bam. I want to make sure that sticks. You got this? It's incredibly important. And our answers will reveal our true motivations for all that we have done. Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? He didn't ask, he didn't ask Peter if he feared him, respected him, admired him. Instead, he says, do you love me? It's the beginning to everything. It's the beginning to everything in life. This is where new life starts, right here. It's the question he asks every single one of us. Do you love me? And if we say yes, he says, then follow me and live for me. So to be like Jesus, I'm going to love like Jesus. But here's the next one. Write this down. To be like Jesus, then I got to love like Jesus track with me on this one, folks. If we really do, if we do not really love Jesus, then we will not truly love people. Jesus asks this follow-up question, right, to Peter. He says, do you love me? And Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And, and my guess is, I think that a similar response would come from every single one of us in here. We, we would probably say the same thing, you know, Lord, you know, Lord, that I, that I love you. And so Jesus says, then feed my sheep to Peter. And, and so many people, they look at this, right? Like I've heard it from the outside. Like people kind of view this conversation between uh, Jesus and Peter as like this commissioning of sorts into ministry. Like they try to figure that out, right? Like they're like, oh, well, you know, they believe that it's just for Peter, right? Because they say, well, well, that was for him and his ministry because uh, he's a pastor and it doesn't apply to me in the way that it applied to him. And here's what I want to tell you. Yeah, it does. Yes, it does. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it applies, period. It applies across the board. Do you know the difference between a Christ follower and a disciple of Christ? because there is a difference. See, so many times we just interchange those. It's the same thing. It's this, this, it's that. But they are absolutely different. You see, a Christ follower is somebody that's just, I'm in with Jesus. I'm in with it, man. I'm in with his word. I'm going this way. I'm doing it. Like, what does this Bible say? Like, I'm going, I'm following Jesus. This This is the way I'm going. Just following after him. This is what the word says. I'm following him. A disciple Makes disciples. You see that? So now there's some action involved here. A follower is just, he's just hanging out. And you read about that all the time. It's like, yeah, Jesus had all these followers. They were just people that were like, wonder where the next miracle is going to be, man. I'm going to get some more of them fish and chips. Mm. <laughs> Give me some of that. See what he goes on. What mountain? A disciple is making disciples. A disciple is pouring into somebody. A disciple is me saying, hey, Joe, I'm going to pour into your life. I want you to grow and follow Jesus, but I want you to become the man of God that he wants you to be. And so it's me purposely spending time helping him grow into the man of God that he is, making a disciple. Not just hanging out. Come on, Joe, let's go find a fish and chips. No, was pouring into him, making a disciple. A huge difference. And so when he says this, take care of my sheep, that's what he's talking about. He wants you and I to make disciples. What did Jesus say in the Great Commission? He wants you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And then what did he say? And go and make disciples. Not followers, though, right? See how big of a crowd you can get. Mm -mm. Go and make disciples. You know what? This is going to take some time. This is going to take a little bit of energy. It's going to be challenging sometimes, Jesus says. But that's what I want you to do. I don't want you to just come and chill and hang out and wait for the next one. I want to pour yourself into somebody or into a group of people, or whatever that looks like. Jesus wants to see the evidence of our love for him. So look at what he says in Matthew 25, 40. Jesus says, and as much as you have done it, uh, unto one of the least of these, you have done it to me. Here we go, folks. Jesus is teaching us that how we treat other people is how we treat him. Oh, man, it's so easy to just fly right by that verse. It's so easy to fly by that verse. We are to treat others, the way we treat others is how we treat him. To clearly, as we clearly understand his unconditional love for us, we begin to practice it every day. And we begin to express our love for Jesus by loving others that are in our path. There's more. You guys want more? Watch this. John 13. I want you guys to read this one out loud with me, okay? Ready? Go. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you... How are they going to know? How are they going to know? They're going to know that you are a disciple of Christ by the way you love people. How do you love? I love the people I like. That's easy. I like Becca. She's fine. I mean, I like the people I like. I like Sam. He's a cool cat. But what about the people you ain't crazy about? How do you treat them? How do you treat them? Man, in this world that we're in right now with all the politics and everything, we've got like this hardcore stance. Like I got this hardcore stance of a a right evangelical Christian and some of the things that they are saying about the other people, I'm like, where is Jesus, man? What are you doing? It's the same thing over here. It's the same thing over here. But these folks over here will go, well, I expect that. (laughs) Right? Oh, I expect that from them. They expect that from you. Where is Jesus? Where is it? I don't like him very much. I'm not telling you to go play pool with the guy. Love him. Want the best for him. Pray for him. See that God will do something great in his life. Well, I don't like him. Pray for him so your heart will change because we are to love like Jesus loved. Now, how does God love? How do we do that? How does God love? John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Anybody know this? Anyone who believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. John 15, 13, no one has greater love than the one who gives their life for their friends. Romans 5, 8, but here is how God has shown his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. First John 4, beginning in verse 9, here is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. He sent him so we could receive life through him. Here is what love is. It is not that we loved God. It is that he loved us and sent his son Jesus to give his life to pay for our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us so much, since he loved us so much, we should also love one another. I uh, love this that Um, this is pretty cool for me, actually. It's six months ago, exactly, exactly six months ago. December the 11th was the first time that I spoke on this stage. It's super cool. And uh, I love that that's the case. And that message, what I spoke that day was about the identity, like we're in this new season and we're moving forward at Faith Center in this new season with uh, Joe and Kathleen and so I said, we're going we're gonna to share what our identity is moving forward. Like, who are we going to be moving forward? And uh, I based all of that out of First Thessalonians chapter 1, for those of you that remember. Or, but, you know, it's on YouTube. You can go look at it. Actually, just a little excerpt of that is on there, of me talking about the identity. This is our identity, and this is who we're going to be. Because it was the identity of the, the Church of Thessalonica, and it was incredible, it was absolutely incredible when you read through it. And it said, what is that? What was so incredible about these, this church that, you know what it said? Not only, not only was it known like in their city and in their region, it was known across the regions. It was amazing. How, why? What, we didn't get a manual on what that looked like. What did they do? Well, we did get an idea of, this, of really the essence of that church. And it was simply this. And it's what we're doing moving forward. It's going to be people who live by faith we're going to live by faith. You know what that means? That simply means walking in obedience to what God's word already says. That's living by faith. You go, how's that living by faith? Because God's word is absolutely counterculture. It's, it's, it's completely different than what culture says today. So if you're going to walk in obedience to what God's word says, you're living by faith folks. And then the second area that we found out from them is they were a group of people that were known by love. They were known by love and that they were a voice of hope. And I said, that's who we are. That's who we are, and that's who we will be. And we will become known across the region as the people who are known by love and are a voice of hope. Because I'm gonna live my life just like Jesus. And I'm gonna follow this example that he has for me. So how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we be just like Jesus? We have to be the friend of sinners. We have to be the friend of sinners. In Luke, chapter 5, beginning in verse 29, it says this. It says, then Levi gave a huge banquet for Jesus and his house. Levi, by the way, is Matthew, a uh, tax collector. Levi... Levi is his Jewish name. Matthew is his Christian name, okay? But this is who we're talking about. We're talking about Levi, the tax collector. Do you you guys know about tax collectors, by the way? (laughs) The Jews, the Jewish people didn't like tax collectors. All right. They were Jew. The tax collectors were Jew and the other Jewish people didn't like them at all. And it's because their bosses were the Roman government and the Roman government uh, is oppressing the Jewish people. And they already don't like them for that. They already don't like them, that that's the case, right? They're like, oh no, this is terrible that you're doing this for our oppressors. But not only that, they were crooks. So if the Roman said uh, their tax is three denarii, the tax collector would say it's five denarii. And he'd pocket two. And this was across the board. This is who they were. And they were rotten people. And I want you to hear me. This is the lifestyle that they lived. This is who they were. They were sinners. And they chose this life of sin. This is who they were. But here's Matthew that Jesus reaches out to. And there's some change happening. But look at this. Levi has this huge banquet. And it says, a large crowd of tax collectors and others. Who who do you think the others are, by the way? Who's hanging out with the tax collectors? Who are the others? Thieves, fornicators, adulterers, liars. They are all living that life, that lifestyle. This is the lifestyle that they've chosen. It has nothing to do with God. It is all about pleasing self. This is who they are. A large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law complained to Jesus' disciples. They said, hold up, sidebar, just real fast, sidebar. Why why people got to go around people's back?" Why does that happen? You see that happening right here? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law have a problem with Jesus and his folks, and they don't go talk to Jesus. They go over here and wrestle it up with some other folks. Why do you think this is? Why do you think that is? Instead of what biblical conflict resolution says, go directly to the person. You now this little chatter going on over here with my work pals, that's going to bite you and uh, you know, ankle. Why do you eat? Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them. Okay, so I don't know if he heard it or if they had to do their little secret thing to come over and tell him, this is what they said. Do you like me? Jesus answers them. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have not come to get those who think they are right with God to follow me. I have come to get sinners to turn away from their sins. That's what I'm doing. Folks, please track with me. Who is Jesus hanging out with publicly? It's, man, we look at that from like our modern day uh, Christian stance of America. And we go, ooh, that's ugly. We can't do it. And I am telling you right now, I want to love just like Jesus. And Jesus, check this out, folks, got into the mess. He got in the mess. He didn't skirt around it. Ooh, that's some ugly sin up in there. He got in it. And he said, I love you. And we'll build a relationship with you. Changed Matthew's life. Changed his life. And who knows how many other people changed their life because he got in the mess with the sinners. Please hear me, folks, publicly. Wasn't hiding it. He was in it. Your life is messed up, man. You're not living according to biblical standards. I refuse you. That's not what he did. You're not living to biblical standards. You are a part of the sick. I have to go to the sick, not party with the healthy. I thought maybe some talk back church would get up into this a little bit. You are to get into it with them. Get into the mess. Get into the mess. This is who Jesus was. And I want to love like Jesus. So I want to spend a little time with you and we're going to close of just being incredibly vulnerable with you of how challenging this is. It's very challenging when you're put into the situation yourself. It's easy to say things and talk about it when you're on the outside, but when you get thrusted into it, it changes everything. Or your real heart is revealed. That's what happens too. And so a few years ago, our oldest daughter, um, who's amazing. She's an amazing woman. She's beautiful, just like her mom. She is talented, gifted, artist, creative. She is phenomenal. I love her so much. But a few years ago, she told us that she had engaged in a same-sex relationship. And when all this stuff unfolded, because it was new just just a few years ago, and when all of this unfolded, you know what Kathleen and I chose to do because all the voices start coming in as you're the pastor and all these voices start coming in and there's literally people that are saying, you just got to cut it off. You got to cut it off now. You got to cut it off and, and let her see where you stand. And, and, and all I can think of is this kid has been with me my entire life. She knows where I stand. Why would I cut her off? And how in the world does that look like Jesus. And so, we loved her. We just loved her. We're like, oh, well, what do you mean? That means you're like affirming her relationship and those things. No, I'm going to love her and accept her. She doesn't know then. She, oh, she knows where her parents stand on that. She's very well aware of how we understand what the Bible says about a same-sex relationship. The Bible says that is not it. That is not healthy. That is not God's plan. I do not reject her because that's what she chooses. I do not. I love her, and I accept her, and I embrace her, and I get in the mess. I don't like it. I don't like it. This is not the picturesque thing that Kathleen and I had when we started our family of how it would go for us. But guess what? And spoiler alert, life doesn't always work out the way you think it's going to. You're going to get thrown some curveballs, folks. And if you're not careful, it's just going to come inside and hit you you got to love like Jesus, who was publicly hanging out with people that had a lifestyle of sin, and he was not ashamed. He was in it with them. Why did he say it? So I could build a relationship with him and tell him the truth in love. I want to speak the truth in Love. but i can't do it if i'm out here saying i'm better than you take the plank out of your own eye i just i want to be like jesus i just want to be like jesus he never said it was easy dedicated my life to it. 30 years strong. 30 to go. You think? I don't know. (laughs) Sounds like too much. I'm tired right now. I'm going to get in it. I'm going to get in it. My daughter started IVF. And it's happened, there's like fertilized eggs and one is being implanted tomorrow. So there's a possibility of, of my daughter being pregnant. Like Kathleen and I might be grandparents, which is so cool. Is it the way that we planned? Is it the way that we thought it was gonna be? Was it the dream that we laid out? No, it's not. I don't care. I'm gonna love my child. And then guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna love that grandchild. And if my daughter says, hey, dad, could you put me up here and pray over my daughter? Of course, I'll pray for that baby. Jesus said, bring the little children to me. Bring them to me. Bring them to me. Jesus was a public. He had a public ministry, folks. Please hear me. He had a public ministry and he intermixed. Just look through scripture. He intermixed, but people knew where he stood. And it's all throughout scripture of what a healthy, strong marriage relationship looks like all through the Bible. Jesus stood there. Jesus knew that. He still did public ministry with the people because he got in the mess with them. He got in the mess. And we do that here at Faith Center, man. Some of the missions and things that we do in this place and around our city is phenomenal. We're already known for that. I'm here to charge it forward, to be known by love, to be a voice of hope to a lost city. They are sick, it's the way the Bible says it. And they need, they need the doctor. Who's the doctor? Jesus. Who's going to take it to them? Who's gonna take Jesus? I will. I don't know about you, but I will. I'm gonna do it. If I wanna be just like Jesus, I gotta love like Jesus. People matter to God, so they matter to me. And if we'll see what God sees, we'll do what He says.